It is a joy to be with you this morning, especially we missed last week. It is a joy to be with you uh, on this Christmas season as we also are at the end of the year and we're closing out and I have a few things I want to talk on that um, this morning. But uh, be certainly be in prayer for, for Brother Trey and them this week that they will be safe and have a wonderful time. Uh, as they are with family and they're on vacation. And, uh, and I assured him that he can rest assured now for Jessica's goats have now been born. And we are taking care of them. And so I was checking on goats this morning. And so uh, they, are in, they are in good hands, I think. If, if they're not, I'll turn them over to somebody here who, who may be better suited for that. But no, they are. They, everything was good. And so, but they did make it there last night safe and sound. And so they, their vacation will be beginning today. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. And let me just for a moment walk us back, uh, back in time for just a little bit here. On May 31st, 2020, um, right after the, the lockdowns and everything, um, this had been my plan actually earlier beforehand that we were going to begin to walk through the, the letter of 1 Corinthians before COVID hit. And so God moved that timetable back a little bit. But as soon as lockdowns were, that we came out of lockdown um, and had finished up the spiritual discipline series, we jumped into 1 Corinthians. And so on May 31st, 2020, we began 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. And so today, December 26, 2021, we now come to the end, and we will finish up 1 Corinthians chapter 16 today. And, and as you'll see in just a moment, I think, being, I think being that this is the last Sunday of this year, that this is going to kind of, in God's providence here, this is really going to be good, uh, that here we are at the last Sunday of the year, and we are looking forward to a new year we get to now say to ourselves, let's take everything that we have learned in these last 16 chapters and now let's put them to work in 2022. This series has been entitled, Dear Church, and is a letter that Paul penned himself. Paul actually wrote one before this, but it is lost. We do not have it. And so thus, the second letter is called 1 Corinthians. And so Paul would write another. And what we would learn from the second letter is, or the the third, but second Corinthians, we would learn that many of the things that Paul wrote, that there were things where there was repentance that took place and reconciliation did happen. But this letter has been a letter filled with much rebuke and correction and much teaching about the local church there in Corinth. It has been very easy for you and I to see that over the last year and a half, why this letter has garnered the name, the corrective letter. Paul has been correcting them on many issues. And so therefore, this letter is relevant to local churches today, modern churches in present day. It is a, th- this is a letter that can help churches who are littered with problems and struggles and confusion. And 1 Corinthians provides biblical solutions, biblical clarity on what a church is and how a church functions. And in the providence of God of us walking through this letter during COVID, in a time where many are forsaking the church, this letter has brought us back to the church. That no matter the situation and no matter the circumstances that we have dealt with over the past year and a half, almost two years now, 1 Corinthians 
has reminded us the importance of the local church, no matter the conditions that we are in. And so, brothers and sisters, I would say to you this morning that every church needs to walk through this letter. Every Christian needs to walk through this letter. That if we want to be good church members and we want to, be, we want to have churches that are Christ-centered and healthy and biblical churches, this letter is a wonderful, wonderful letter. But as we come to a close today, and as we look to a new year, I think you're going to find that Paul is going, that in God's providence, he closes this out in a very interesting way, or, or we close out in a very interesting way, as we're going to be looking at seven commands, seven commitments that you and I can make as we look to 2022. And so if you will, just take your Bibles, and we're just going to look at chapter 16, beginning of verse 1, and we're going to walk through verse 24, but let's read this first. Paul writes, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save and he, as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may send me on my way whatever, wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door of effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. And so let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brethren. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren. And it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has an opportunity. Be on alert. Now notice these, these imperatives. Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all you do be, be done in love. Now I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that they were the first fruits of Achaia, that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the works and labors. I rejoice over the coming of Stephanos and, and Fortunas and Achaeus, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours, and therefore acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is accursed. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Paul pins a wonderful closing here. It has been said that after the wonderful chapter that we had before this in chapter 15 where Paul deals with the resurrection and the desire that when we die and the, the truth of when we die that we will be with Christ. And we talked about that desire to live as Christ, to die as gain. As I was studying this week, I, I came across an interesting quote that kind of sums all of that up. Uh, as one individual said, our hearts are in heaven, but our feet are on the earth. Our hearts are in heaven, our minds are in heaven, but our feet are on the ground. And so after coming out of this chapter 15, dealing with the resurrection and dealing with the great promise we have that one day we are going to be with Christ in heaven and we're going to have these glorified bodies, we have to remember that is our great hope and that is what we are looking to, but we have to remember, brothers and sisters, that we are presently on earth. 
And we must live as Christ on earth. And so chapter 16 ends with a lot of commands that are given. After 15 chapters of teaching throughout this letter, Paul now looks to this church and he tells them there are some things that they need to do. And as I said, I do think it's providential that as we come to the end of 2021 and we are looking forward to 2022, that we ourselves look at these as commitments and commands for ourselves. And so within these seven commitments, I want you to see these seven commands. I want you to see seven commitments that you and I can make. I want you to look at, we're going to see, be cooperative, be hospitable, be alert, be firm, be courageous, be strong, and be loving. Let us begin with the first one, be cooperative. We see here in verses 1 through 4 that the Apostle Paul talks of a collection that is going to be taken up for the saints in Jerusalem. Christians within Jerusalem faced poverty and they faced persecution, which just enhanced their poverty. This money would go to help alleviate many of them and their trials from their trials. Yet it had another purpose behind the meeting of economic needs. It was about teamwork. It was about being together within the work. You see, those in Jerusalem, the church there, would have been mostly made up of Jews. But Corinth and many other churches around would have been made up of Gentiles. And so the believers in Jerusalem were receiving a collection given by people that at one time had been their enemy. And so here what you see is an act of love that goes a long way in showcasing the unity within the body. This is a commitment to cooperation amongst the churches and amongst the saints. Christians working together for the greater glory. Christians working together to help one another out. To help alleviate their suffering and their pain. And so we see here these Christians were working to fulfill the mission and the responsibility that Christ had given them. And so FBC, as we see this, as we are heading out of this year into another year, and we're heading out of a, a teaching of a letter where Paul was correcting a lot of division within the church at Corinth. What a wonderful commitment that you and I can make, that we would see the beauty of cooperation. And I believe that cooperation will be a key for us in the coming days, whether it be financial or physical, whether it be spiritual cooperation, whatever it may be, it is going to be key as you and I are moving forward as a local church, seeking to be healthy, seeking to be biblical. We cannot expand the service and the witness of FBC on the backs of 10%. That's kind of the way it goes. In fact, it's actually a little less than that. But let's just go ahead and go with the 10%. Where 10% of the people do all the work, 100% of the labor, right? And we see this within a lot of churches where much of the ministry needs is met up by only a handful of individuals. What we see here is that there needs to be a cooperation, whether it be in labor or in giving. Our future can be bright. Our future of ministering to families and comforting the broken and reaching our Jerusalem if needed, the saints of Corinth. Paul could not reach all, could not help those in Jerusalem by himself, so he needed the saints of Corinth, of Galatia, to chip in and to help and cooperate with him. And we are the same, are we not? Are we not a people who need to cooperate in labor? Are we not a people who need to pray about in this upcoming year to commit ourselves and pray about how I can serve the Lord within my local church? Uh, again, we always want to think of how I can serve God. And what's so interesting about that is, is where can I serve God? But we always want to serve outside the local church. 
But what we find is in this letter is that the arena for serving the Lord is the local church. Because within the local church, you can teach and you can disciple. You can repair and, and, and be good stewards of all that God has given us. You can evangelize and you can host and you can serve and you can organize and you can clean out. There, there's just tons of things here within our own local church, brothers and sisters, that you can cooperate with and work together with here and serve. Or even the issue of financial giving. It has been very public that God has gracious been gracious to us in our last two or three years, how God has been so good to us financially. And so this is this is not one of those things that have any complaints from your pastors or anyone. But again, this is one of those areas where we do see that the ten percent do most of the do the majority of the hundred percent of the giving and the and the service. And here Paul was saying to them, he is saying, look, you need to make plans, you need to serve, you need to give to the ministry of the Lord through the local church. And so we see here that Paul is seeking to meet needs. And so for us this year, I would challenge you to organize or to, to be a part of the organizing of our financial stewardship here. One of the things that we have said that we are wanting to do in this coming year for our financial team, our stewardship committee, is that we do want to kind of begin to organize some things because there's just so many line items and so many funds. And so we're going to be looking to organize things, and you can be a part of that and pray. We're going to be looking at trying to meet financial goals, such as hiring staff members and doing some other things. There are things that we want to do. There are things that need to be repaired within our local church. And what wonderful way, brothers and sisters, that you and I can look to begin to be good stewards, looking to work together, even financially, for the glory of God through the, through the service of the Lord. But I would even, even extend this even further in one other thing. One thing that I am kind of excited about this year is that we would also cooperate in our prayers together. Wednesday night is becoming a night that I think for us that is really good, that we are gathering together and we are just making Wednesday nights all about prayer and we're doing things a lot differently and we're going to continue to do them a little bit differently. And so if you have not been attending those, I would encourage you that in 2022 that you see Wednesday nights, especially for us, the adults, that you see Wednesday nights as a time to gather with the body for prayer to gather with the corporate body, to come in and begin to pray that the, the will of the Lord be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see cooperation in so many areas. But secondly, I want you to notice the next one. Notice the issue of being hospitable. hospitable. In verses 10 and 11, I find this very interesting. Notice what Paul writes. He says, Now if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. Let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brethren. I love this. Paul is sending Timothy to Corinth, and he's really nervous about it. Now, wouldn't you be nervous? For those of you who have walked through this letter with us for the past year and a half, would you not be nervous? Just go back and read the first four or five chapters. This is like a church you don't send the young guy to. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of problems. Matter of fact, they love to be critical of their pastors. They love to be critical of their leaders. And so Paul has dealt with all of that. And now at the end, he tells them, I'm going to send Timothy, all right, my young protege here there. And I need you to be hospitable to him. I need you to love on him because he is afraid they are going to ignore him, criticize him, mistreat him. So he strongly commands them, you show my brother in the, in the ministry hospitality. Beloved, no local church should mistreat or ignore their guest. I say that again. No local church should ever mistreat or ignore their guest. Whether it is a well-known teacher like Timothy or whether it's the first-time visitor of a stranger. 
The saints within the local church need to be committed to hospitality. In 2022, brothers and sisters, may we commit ourselves to more than just saying hi to one another, but that we commit ourselves to make sure that all those who come into our local body to worship, to be a part of what we are doing on Sunday mornings, that they leave out in peace. Hi can help with that. But there are so many other things that you and I can do. We can seek to help them on their spiritual journey. Love on them. Invite them into your home. Seek to take them out to lunch. Get to know them. Get their contact info. Send them cards. Send them text messages. Make phone calls. And may I say this to the older generation this morning. You have been told that the younger generation, that they need young people to reach young people. I don't remember that ever being in the parables of Jesus. I never remember Jesus Christ ever saying that. And so there is this idea within the church and the local churches that for some odd reason, if we want to reach young people, we just need young people. But the problem is, if you don't have young people, well, then that kind of has a dilemma there. Hear me on this. To the older generation, hear me on this. Young people need spiritual grandparents in the Lord. Young people with children need people in the church who are going to do more than just say, hey, how are you doing? I'll pray for you. But to show hospitality and to love on them and to be grandparents. And here's the case. You have done that with Brother Trey and me, with our kids and our families for the last four and a half years. You have done that. I know that you can do it. Show hospitality as the guests of our community, as our Jerusalem comes in to see what's going on. Commit yourself to being hospitable that when they come from this place, like Timothy, as Paul desires for Timothy, they leave out in peace. But notice thirdly, that you would commit yourself to being alert. Look at verse 13. As we come to verse 13, what we find here is, is that Paul is going to begin to give a just kind of a slew of imperatives here. Notice that, that, that he says, the first one is, that they must be alert. Now the word here, the Greek word, is gregoreo, which means to constantly be on guard. Many of the Greek seculars of their day, you, you're going to understand this, but many of the Greek seculars today looked at this as when an individual was crossing over a stream, a shallow stream, and so as you're crossing over and you're barefoot, right, because you, you, you don't want to get your Nike sandals, right, in their days, their sandals wet. So you take your sandals off, you begin to cross over a stream, and you're walking on rocks. And, and what normally happens, right, the rocks are slimy and nasty. And so you begin to walk over, so what do you do? Do you just run across it? No. You carefully watch everywhere you place your foot. You want to make sure that when you place your foot down and put weight on it, that your feet don't slip out from under you. And so this was kind of the the visual picture that Paul has here, and many of the Greeks in their day, was that, that you are alert where you are placing your feet as you are watching. You are being vigilant and on guard. You're not sleeping on the job. So notice this in the context of the local church. Notice what Paul is saying to this local church, this faith family. He is saying that you must watch where you place your feet presently so that you do not fall eventually. And how many of us have fallen asleep on the job only to wake up a few years later and realize that our churches are in trouble, that we have fallen, that we have slipped? 
Paul is calling this local church to be cautious what they are doing presently so that the church does not fall. FBC, we are going to be challenged in the years to come. We are going to be challenged in this upcoming year and tested in upcoming days. And you must be alert. You must be alert. You must have your, 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 your mind and your, your eyes open. You must have your, your ears open, listening, can, really considering all that you're hearing and considering all that you're seeing, weighing every word, weighing everything that is around us, brothers and sisters, because there are dangers out there that if we are not careful, we will slip. We as a church must be alerted as making decisions. I am one who likes to react in many cases. Those always lead to bad decisions. They always, they never lead to good outcomes. And so here's one of the things we have, I've learned is, is that you and I must be alert in our decision makings as a church. That we must not react out of fear. We cannot allow fear to be the driving force behind our, our decisions and everything. Nor anger. Nor do we allow anger to, or even excitement and joy. But we must weigh every decision with a cautious attitude, looking to see if this is the, if this is the direction that God has for us. And so Paul is calling the church to be alert. So we must be alert in our decision making. But I would even go even further, beloved, and tell you that we must also be on guard in the upcoming year. For there are enemies, there are wolves in sheep's clothing who, who are on the outside of the church and who are on the inside of the church who are seeking to destroy and to corrupt the bride of Christ. And you need to know this and you need to be alert. There are books on bookshelves and there are sermons on the internet and there, there are things that are happening within our world. It is nothing but a wolf in sheep's clothing. And you and I must be careful and alert. Much of what you are hearing today, brothers and sisters, is not the it's not true journalism. Much of what you are hearing today, mainstream anything, much of it is secular prophesying and secular preaching, atheistic preaching and atheistic prophesying. And we must be careful that we do not make our decision, that we do not live as Christians based upon a, a world that does not even believe in Christ. Be alert in the things that you listen to daily. Be alert of the wolves that are in sheep's clothing that are even within our own fold. This year we will go to the Southern Baptist Convention again. And there are wolves in sheep's clothing even within the Southern Baptist Convention. CRT, the social justice movement, has made its way in to our seminaries and made its way into our convention and it has made its way into many of our churches and if you and i are not alert on this it will make its way into this church right here it's made its way in and so yes even within our own convention and with our own brethren brothers and sisters listen there are wolves in sheep's clothing and you must be alert this whole message this morning, this whole thing as we end, it is a call for you to wake up this coming year and to, and to know that you have a part in this and you have a, a place in this. But I would even say this, that you must be careful and alert over your own souls as well. That you yourself do not become a wolf in sheep's clothing. That I, the preacher and the pastor of the church, do not become a wolf in sheep's clothing. If you would believe Brother Brian would never lead us astray, then you don't know the power of sin. And you don't know the temptations that I face and the power sin has over me at times. All of us are sinful. All of us can go astray. 
All of us can put our foot on the wrong rock and slip. And so, brothers and sisters, hear me this. It is important upon for you and for me as a local church that we are alert and cautious and vigilant in this upcoming year. But Paul is not done. Notice the next one that he gives us. He also says to be firm. Paul now commands the local church, he says, to be firm, but not just firm, but firm in the faith. And many times we want to look at this and we mean, well, just firm in the faith of the gospel, firm in believing faith. But that's not what Paul is talking about. The Apostle Paul is actually talking here about objective faith. He's talking about faith of, in matters of truth, in matters of content, in matters of behavior. Now you are unmovable, firm. You plant your feet and you are unmoving. You're not tossed about. Too many times the local church stands very, very firm in its opinions and its traditions. And, and we stand very, very firm against the outside world's sins, but never really standing firm in our own. We're uncertain and very reluctant when things begin to happen within us and opinions with biblical mandates that we see. The Corinthians were in this unhealthy state because they had not stood firm in the past. When, when sin began to rise within the church, they didn't deal with it. When, when people began to preach and teach things that were unbiblical, they didn't deal with it. And they allowed, they began to go, well, the, 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 the best way, the most loving thing would be just to at least begin to allow some of this stuff. And we'll, we'll live. But eventually they began to be swayed by these things. In 2022, brothers and sisters, hear me. This will be a year that you will need to stand firm. For four and a half years. We have preached and preached and taught and read and discussed and talked about the church. And for four and a half years, on the doctrine of the church, ecclesiology, on, on the doctrine of the church. And for four and a half years, many of you have come and you said, I never knew that. I never knew that. I never knew that. It's been a wonderful four and a half years of learning, growing, seeing what the Bible says about the local church. But at some point, it does come to where when we begin to see, we can no longer just use the excuse that we didn't know, that now that we see what the Bible says about the local church, that we must then stand and be unmoving. We must be unmoving in our resolve to be a healthy local church that reflects the honor and glory of God. We must be be resolved to stand firm against sin, to deal with sin. Even the sin of those that we love and sit by us every Sunday. Even the sin of your pastor. We must, we must be resolved that we're going to love one another through this, but we're going we're gonna to stand against sin in teaching and preaching Christ. At times, there are those temptations that begin to float through our heads, especially in the, the head of the preacher who begin to think, if I, could just do, if I could just move away from that sinful preaching and that preaching of Christ and I could do this, man, couldn't it just be more exciting and more people? Co-? No, we must be firm that we are to teach the Scriptures and to preach Christ Sunday in and Sunday out. We must be re- resolved as infirm to, be a, to have healthy membership. And that is going to be something that we're going to talk about this year. That this upcoming year is going to be a year where we begin to truly begin to make steps in the area of membership. On Sunday nights, we're going to begin to kind of do like we did with the three circles. We're going to meet in the Family Life Center, and we're going to have the round tables, round tables, and we're going to teach through some books and stuff, and we're going to have discussions in these things. And so this is going to be some in-depth te- teaching, and you're going to get to ask questions, and we're going to do answers and stuff like that. And it's going to be good. 
But we're going to begin to move through this in having healthy membership. And so this is something we're going to have to stand firm on, that we want to have healthy membership. And so in our resolve to reach our Jerusalem, but most importantly, I would say to you this morning that in our resolve of the gospel, oh, hear me this morning, that we would stand firm on the content of the gospel, that the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life under the law of God, never sinning in thought, in deed, or in word, who there was innocent of all accounts, but goes to the cross and dies the death of the guilty man, the guilty woman, dies your death of the guilty, and then three days later rises from the grave. In all power and all glory, why do we want to be resolved in that? Because salvation can only come through the hearing of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. And so we want to be resolved to stand firm this year in the preaching and the proclaiming of the gospel. I would tell you this morning, that is the gospel and that is your only hope this morning. That if you are lost and you do not know Christ, that you would believe in this one who has come. You would believe in this one who has given his life for you and I. Oh, brothers and sisters, we must be resolved. You must stand strong in your walk of faith so that we can stand strong as a church. Hear me on this. Before we... Before FBC can stand strong and be firm, you have to be firm. You, the individual, have to be firm in the faith so that we can be firm in the faith. Does that make sense? If my wife is not firm in the faith, then my marriage is not firm in the faith. No matter how firm I am in this, no matter how, how, how deep and spiritual I am, if my wife or, or if one of my children, you know, if they're not firm in the faith, then my family is not firm. So if you yourself are not firm in the faith, then we will be weakened. Oh, brothers and sisters, hear me on this. We must be firm, be unmoving in the matters of faith. Which leads me to the next thing. You must be courageous. Now I love this. I know this certainly does not deal, does not go with our predominantly feministic culture here, but notice what he says, act like men. I love this. Paul, and the actual phrase is not act like men. The Greek, trans, the Greek actually says it more like, he says, uh, play the man. Play the man. Almost as in, as in, Paul is saying, there's a certain part, a certain role, and you need to play that role. You need to be that role. It means to grow up and stop being like children. You're no longer immature. You're no longer a child, but you are, a, you are to be a, a fully mature, courageous individual in the Lord. You see, children play, but men labor. Children follow, men lean. Children are easily frightened, men courageously confident. Children whine and complain. Men are, are content and march forward. Children may ignore and forget. Men protect and safeguard. Hear me on this. Every local church needs men to play the man. We, 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 need, the, we need the old 80s action movies where the, the man just goes to war against all odds. 
and is firm and courageous and will not back down, though the odds may be against him. We need men within our local church to play the man. For men need to be men in their homes and in their communities and their, in their jobs. And they need to be men in their, in their church. And for some odd reason, we talk about being men on the ball field. And we talk about being men while we're hunting. We talk about being men in our jobs. We talk about men being everywhere else, but for some odd reason, not the church. We don't need that toxic masculinity within the church. We don't need courageous, unmoving, firm, strong masculinity in the church. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is God, says otherwise. Every local church needs people who are courageous, who stand to play the role and and look at all odds and be unmoved. FPC, in 2022, we need leaders to rise up and be courageous. To lead our church into a stronger and healthier future, we need the saints who have the courage to face down the giants. But not just the giants on the outside, but even to face down those who may even rise up with an own miss, even if it is your own pastor. There have been many churches that have fallen, who have slipped, because their pastors began to as they began to grow in their sin, became authoritative giants and began, and no one would want to change. We have to hold one another accountable. And so even as a pastor, we need people who are courageous to be able to do the things that make changes, to do the hard things, to hold one another accountable, to fight against sin, to go to war against the culture, to learn hard truths. One of, the man, one, of the, one of the most courageous things you can do is to recognize you don't know everything and to pursue growing and laboring in the gospel and in the word of God that you may learn and grow. And then to learn these hard truths and then to turn around and to teach these truths. And not only that, FBC, we need courageous individuals who are going to seek to reach the people who are hard to reach. We need to be called, we have been called to reach a community that is going to be hard to reach. And we need to be courageous about this. We need to be mature about this. This is a year in which you commit to be courageous and bold. Notice next he says to be strong. This is a spiritual, not physical strengthening. To be strong in the physical world, one might exercise and lift weights. But how can one be strong spiritually? Are we to just kind of do the thing of let go, let God, and he'll just make me strong? Well, yes and no. Yes, it is God who makes us strong. Understand that his strength is our strength. And so therefore, being strong requires dependence. And so it's not just letting go and letting God. It is depending upon God. It is running to God. It is falling upon the shoulders of God. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Charles Swindoll said it this way. He says, the strength, he says, the strength to obey the Lord is not connected to the Olympian physique. It comes by the power of God to the inner person. The unseen character, the attitudes, the affections, and the passions that drive us toward the good and away from the bad. Philippians 2.13 gives us the the secret here to the inner power that transforms our life for paul writes it is god who works in you both god who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure yes our responsibility is to take the world's challenges 
with strength and courage. Where do I receive this strength? Where do I receive this, this power? It is from Him and Him alone. And many of us, we will need to seek Him. This means you will, you will need to recognize in your own self, your own, you will need to become humble and recognize and examine your own life and see the areas where, where your walk needs strengthening. And then when you see that your walk needs strengthening in those areas, you run to God in prayer. You run to God and repent of the areas where you're being sinful at. You fall on your knees in humble prayer. You recognize that, that, that you don't know everything. You don't, and when we begin to study, to learn, and you recognize that, that I don't have the power and the ability to do everything. But I must do it. And so how do I do this? How do I accomplish this? But, but running to the Lord in prayer. David, the mightiest man in the Old Testament, the one that they would sing songs about, who, who killed his tens of thousands, the one, the one who, who, who was a, a giant slayer, we find him many a times on his knees crying out to the Lord and writing poetry. Why? Because David understood that his power and his strength to slay the giants and slay the tens of thousands, that his power to lead a nation never came from himself. He was strong because the God that he served was strong. So in order to receive the strength of God, David had to recognize that and become weak. Well, brothers and sisters, this year, this will be a year in which you will become weak that you may become strong. And you will humble yourself to the Lord and look to seek His His power and His strength. And through Him and Him alone, you will receive the strength to serve, to minister, and to be a healthy local church that brings honor and glory to God. And then finally, notice what he says in verse 14. He tells us here, he says, Let all that you do be done in love. It's important to note that this command is given at the very conclusion of 13, and he continues on talking about giving the brethren greet one another the holy kiss and talking about loving one another and all this stuff. Uh, understand that everything that Paul has said and everything from chapter 1, and all these commands, but even from chapter 1 till now, Paul is wrapping one big bow on it. It's as though Paul took all of these commands that we've looked at, all these commitments, and he put them in a box. He wraps it up in paper and he puts a bow on it the bow of love. And he says, all that is in this box and all that I've commanded you to do, you are to do in love. You are to do it in the atmosphere of unconditional, God-like, God-enabled love. Everything our faith family does must be consistent with the biblical definition of love. And if you don't remember what that is, go back as we we walk through. and You can go back on the internet app. We walked through 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter, and we looked at it with a microscope of what that means. Because the biblical definition of love is not the worldly definition of love. And so you may recall from chapter 13 that love is a higher means of spirituality. It is a true, uh, a healthy church is, is one that is, that is loving of the saints, where the saints are committed to loving one another According to John MacArthur, love is the most important moral quality in a believer's life, for it is the very glue that produces unity in the church. Believers will never, hear this, he says, believers will never enjoy mutual fellowship through compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, or patience. Those are all the things that we said that would be the things that would get us through. He goes on, he says, they will not bear with each other or forgive each other. Unless they love one another. 
You want to be compassionate? Then you must love one another as God loves. You want to be kind? You want to be humble? You must love. You want to be gentle and patient and bear with one another? You want to be able to forgive sins of one another? You want to be able to, to continue to walk through the most difficult of circumstances with one another? Then you must be able to look at your brothers and sisters that are in this very room, that, are, that, that worship with us on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and you must love them as God has commanded you to love them. Because then and only then, brothers and sisters, can we begin to walk through and have these other things. Love is the thing that wraps it all together. And so as 2022 approaches, let us be committed as what Paul wrote in Colossians 3.14. He says that above all these, put on love like a garment. He says, put on love, which binds everything in perfect harmony. So in our cooperation, we are doing it in love. In our hospitality, we are doing it in love. We're being alert in love. We are being firm in the faith in love. We are being courageous. Being, we're, we're, we're being bold in love and we are being strong in love. May you be committed this year to loving your brothers and sisters. But as I come to the close, I want to share this with you. As we come to the close of this wonderful letter, as we come to the close of this wonderful year, because there have been many blessings in this year. I know it has been hard. I know it's been difficult. But brothers and sisters, we have so much to be thankful for that God has given us. I come and I share with you an illustration from Jonathan Edwards, the 18th century New England Puritan. Jonathan Edwards, who is um, most famous for his involvement of the First Great Awakening. Jonathan Edwards, who is famous for his sermon, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, who before he became famous... Um, Jonathan Edwards, apparently, me and him would not have, would probably not have been on the same page on this. Um, he was big on resolutions, and so as the new year approach, you know, we make resolutions. I, I, I try not to do that anymore because I always never do them. So, um, so he was big on it, though, and, and so he had 70, 70 res- resolutions. I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to read one. But if you get a chance, go back and look this up. But he had 70 resolutions that he, that he had in, with his relationship with the Lord. Listen to this first one. Because I think this sets the stage for all of them. Jonathan Edwards wrote, he said, I am resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be the most to God's glory and my own good profit and pleasure. And the whole of my duration without any consideration of the time, whether now or never, so many myriads of ages hence, resolved to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and the advantage of mankind in general. Resolved to do this, whatever difficulties I meet with, how many and how great soever. Did you hear that? His first resolution, this great preacher who, was, who God used to, to basically bring forth revival across the land, his first resolution, I am resolved, I am firm, I am going to be strong, I am unmoving in this one thing, that I will do whatever I must, that God may be glorified, and that whatever is good for me, Whatever God says is good for me, I'm resolved to that. I'm resolved for His glory, for my good, and the good of my brothers and sisters around me. Is that not a wonderful commitment right there? 
To be able to say, God, I am resolved. No matter what difficulties may come, and no matter how much time it may take, no matter what may come my way, I am resolved to this one thing, that you, God, would be glorified in my life and in all things. Brothers and sisters, where does that take place at? It takes place within the local church. For it is from the church that we go out into our families, and it is from our church that we go out into our country, into our community. It is from our church where we go to our job places, our church where we go to evangelize, do all these other things. And so Jonathan Edwards is resolved that God would be glorified in his life. And so what a challenge we have before us this morning. That as we finish this wonderful letter as a church, and as a new year approaches, that you would be resolved to be cooperative with your brothers and sisters in the faith. We're not lone rangers. You are going to work, you, you commit to work with your faith family. That you are resolved to be hospitable. That no matter who comes to those doors, we're going to work as hard as we can to love them that they may go in peace. That you are resolved to be alert. That you may not fall into sin. And that in 20 and 30 and 40, 50 years, that First Baptist Church of Jonesboro is still moving and still going forward because you were alert today when the real dangers, when the dangers came to the front doors, when the wolves came to the sheep pen. You were alert. You were committed and resolved to that. That you were resolved to be firm and unmoving. That you are resolved to do what is right, what God has called you, the will of God, no matter how hard it is, no matter how unpopular it is. That you are resolved to be courageous and be strong, not only for yourself and not only for the Lord, but for those around you. That you are resolved to be strong by being weak, by humbly depending upon the Lord. Not looking to yourself this year, but looking to Christ. And that you are resolved that in this coming year and every year after it, that we will do all things in this church, do all things in love. The love of God and the love for the faith family. Well, brothers and sisters, would you make these your resolve? Would you make these your commitments today? Let's pray.